Hi, this is Gina Versa. I'm here with Paul Eiding, voice actor of many great characters, Roy Campbell. Uh, you're in, in your, uh, Incredibles 2, Fallout 4, and we're at uh, the Ontario Comic-Con Revolution. How are you doing today, Paul? All is well. I'm a happy guy. And uh, Paul, how has it um, been today? Have you interacted with any of uh, your um, interacting with fans of the character? It's been great. It's yeah. been great. Uh, yeah, we're getting a lot of Transformers fans, uh, but also a lot of Metal Gear fans. Mm. Uh, the nice thing about doing these uh, these cons, even when I'm brought in for one particular, uh, you know, like this one that was brought in for mainly for Transformers, mm -hmm. uh, I've got fans of a lot of gamers come, and uh, I like spending a lot of time talking games. Okay. Uh, or the Incredibles. It, it's 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 been great. Okay. And um, just going just going into it, um, can I talk to you a little bit about your character, uh, Roy Campbell, in uh, Metal Gear? Because uh, that's certainly one of my uh, favorite characters in the franchise. He really grounds uh, Snake. Um, how, how is it, um, how do you, uh, the character, how do you, um, in, how do you uh, go about just interpreting him? He's uh, kind of this, just so no-nonsense. How do you... Uh, well, I was in the military. Okay. Uh, I was not a colonel. I was only a sergeant. But when you're in the military, uh, you know uh, those uh, who are in control, who you, uh, you want to uh, have lead you, they have, they have to be grounded. You have to feel confidence in them. And the one thing about uh, Roy Campbell is he's one of those guys that instills confidence. He wants you, you, you know, Snake. Mm -hmm. Even says, you know, you know, it's like he'll do things for Campbell that he would not normally have done. Yeah. Um, plus, he's he's like a father figure, mm -hmm. you know, a stern father figure, but he knows the job that has to get done, and it does. It gets yeah. done. Um, did you base it on any of your uh, su su superior officers, by any chance? No. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, now, ba basically. Um, when I had the audition for it, I was just uh, shown a picture, mm -hmm. and I was shown uh, uh, some of the dialogue and who he was, uh, given his history, mm -hmm. being um, a six foot, I think they say six two or six three. I'm not, mm -hmm. but my, I can make my voice sound that I'm that that tall and that uh, powerful. So it basically, was looking at the picture. I did get a chance to hear a little bit of the Japanese version of him. Mm -hmm. um, and I heard the gravel that was in his voice. Right. So I decided to put some of that in there. And just on that note, how much of, um, when you're working with Metal Gear, did, you know, the plots are famously a little, um, uh, is it very complicated at times? Yeah. Do they tell you anything about just the, uh, how much do they go into in depth of the story? No, it's, uh, when we did the first one, mm -hmm. Metal Gear, the, the first time, uh, we basically read through it a couple of times. Yeah. Not the whole thing, because it would take too long. Yeah. We read through a scene or two. Um, Kojima wasn't there. Okay. Uh, the director, uh, Chris uh, Chris Salter, mm -hmm. Chris Zimmerman Salter, she was Zimmerman then, Chris Zimmerman Salter knew the game. Uh, and she gave us as much as she knew. Okay. But basically, it was on us. It was on us to try and figure things out as we were reading. Mm -hmm. And luckily, 
I was there in the room with uh, David Hayter at the time, who played Snake. It doesn't happen often with video games that you actually work with the other actors, because nowadays it's you go in, you're by yourself, the other actors come in by themselves. But this one, we got a chance to work, we got a chance to talk yeah. and develop a relationship. And I think that's another reason why Metal Gear worked the way it did, because there really was a relationship mm -hmm. between Snake yeah. and Campbell and the other characters. Mm -hmm. And they're such memorable characters, and you, um, the, you, you and the other voice actors bring them to life to, um, in, the, uh, in the games. You know, really give it such yeah, I, I appreciate that. And, but I always say it always begins with the word. Mm -hmm. And Kojima's brilliant. Yeah. His words, uh, you, you say his words, and <laughs> all of a sudden you sound kind of smart. Yeah. You know, he's you know, brilliant now. Yeah, have, um, did, did you guys um, interact with him? Um, I only met him in person on two. Okay. Uh, he was in studio when we were recording that one, mm -hmm. and I think he wanted to be there because so much was, it was so weird. Yeah. There were some things that were going on that I had, they didn't even tell us what was going on. Uh -huh. um, I remember the, the, the last day of shooting, they gave me a sheet that had all these nonsensical things on it that I didn't understand. One, all of a sudden, Campbell is talking about... Um, owing a lot of money and, mm -hmm. and and then one there's this one section he talks about going home last Thursday and there was an orange light in the sky and, and talks about all this weird stuff and that's where he says to you I hear it's amazing when the famous purple stuffed worm in flap jaw space with a tuning fork does a raw blink on Harry Carey rock I need scissors 61 all of that's in there mm -hmm. but that was the last day and I asked I, I said to Chris I said Chris what does all this stuff mean and she said, don't worry about it, it'll come clear later. They didn't even tell me that he was an AI. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, okay, we just delivered the lines the way, the way you thought they were supposed to be and have a little quirkiness here and there. Mm -hmm. And that's what they ended up with. Gotcha. That's yeah. Kojima. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's crazy. But yeah. Yeah. The, um, but, you know, your uh, direction of the character, you know, you want it's so, um, you know, it really stuck to, uh, to Roy and just the, uh, just the basis of Roy Campbell. Um, I had a question for you on any, um, you know, Roy Campbell is very uh, quotable. Do you, um, do you enjoy the uh, kind of some of the memes or, uh, of the character? I love them all. Okay. I love them all. Is this cute? Uh, there is actually, uh, <laughs> on YouTube, there are five or six long videos. That I think they're like between... 18 to 28, 29 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And what, what they've done is they've taken a lot of cutscenes with Campbell in it, doing different things, running mm -hmm. around, all this stuff. But they've changed, it's my voice, okay. but they put different words in his mouth that don't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> and it's called, uh, the whole series is called, Paul Eiding is Being a Dick. <laughs> And somebody said, doesn't that upset you? It's like, no, man, I, I think it's cool. I, I think it's great fun. Yeah, I mean, they have a lot of commitment, I guess, to the... Yeah! Yeah. I love that character. stuff. You know, mm -hmm. I love all those memes. I, you know, there are a, a couple of different um, uh, things on YouTube with other characters, not from Metal Gear, but from one from Fallout 4, mm -hmm. where I'm the, the uh, vault -Tec rep. It's called a, a vault -Tec rep prank calls. Yeah. And vault -Tec rep calls people 
um, my voice. Mm-hmm. They sampled my voice, and I. They make phone calls, and the Vault Tech rep says, "Good morning, Vault Tech calling." And somebody says, "Yes." And then I try and sell them a vault, and won't take no for an answer. And there's another one where I did a, a character called Septimus in the game Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they've done the same thing. They've called banks. <laughs> I'm, I'm no, not banks, libraries. Yeah. And my character is all about. Do you know the Elder Scrolls? <laughs> and it keeps calling back and irritating these bank. I mean these uh, uh, these uh, uh, libraries. Mm-hmm. And again, Paul Lighting is being a dick without even knowing <laughs> that I'm I'm being a dick. Yeah. Know? So I love all that stuff. Okay. And uh, just changing gears here, um, you said that you were here for uh, Transformers. Mm-hmm. Um, how's it How's it like being a part of that franchise? Which um... I feel very very lucky. Mm-hmm. You know, to do something in 1985, 1986. And to have it still be um, cared about, what more can an actor ask for? Of course. You want to do something that's going to make people feel something, whether they like it or hate it or whatever. You know. And to see the passion that people still have mm-hmm. for the Transformers, I'm really lucky. All of us are. All the, all the Transformer voice actors. Mm-hmm. Extremely lucky people. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> And uh, just uh, wrapping up here, um, you're telling you're telling us um, for Free Comic Book Day you had uh, a uh, comic out um, that you worked on. Can you tell us a little, a little bit about you it? You bet. Uh, Perceptor uh, is a character I did in Transformers, Metal Gear, Colonel Campbell, all these other things that I do voice-wise. But I also get to co-write with uh, Richard Fairgray, who created this uh, comic of Blastosaurus. Mm-hmm. Blastosaurus, happen to have a poster here, is a six-foot-tall mutant triceratops who hangs out with a couple of 12-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they uh, fight uh, nasty robots, they'll uh, fight uh, creatures from other dimensions. Mm-hmm. They live in a town called Freak Out City, mm-hmm. where anything is possible. That's why it's called Freak Out City. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's great fun. Uh, the wonderful reviews we've had have been that it's the humor is that of early Simpsons. Okay. It's just fun and silly. It's an all ages comic. Yeah. And on Free Comic Book Day, they gave out fifty two thousand. Wow. And for a, a new comic, for an independent mm-hmm. um, uh, independent title like this. To be picked number one for Free Comic Book Day mm-hmm. is really huge. Yeah, it's an honor. So we're very, we're very lucky. Yeah, and you know, it's encouraging um, younger, younger uh, kids to read comics. You know, certainly. name of the game. Yeah, I really appreciate. Name it. of the game. Yeah. And uh, Paul, where can um, people find you at on uh, social media? I am on Twitter at the number four Paul Iding because someone already took Paul Iding, so it's four Paul Iding on Twitter. Instagram, it's just my name, Paul Eiding, and on Facebook, it's Paul Eiding. I also have uh, a Facebook uh, fan page, uh, the official Paul Eiding fan page that a, a fan put up for me. Cool. So I'm, I'm everywhere. Awesome, and we'll put links to all the sites and cool. below. There's also links for Blastosaurus. Right. <laughs> cool. Cool. Thanks, Paul, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. A pleasure, my friend. Be well. Hi, this is Gina Versa. I am here with Greg Baldwin voice actor of many great characters. I thank you, I thank you. Mm-hmm.
And we're at Ontario, excuse me, the comic, excuse me, Ontario Comic Con Revolution. Revolution in yes. Ontario, California. <laughs> How are you doing today, Greg? Today is the first day that I have cosplayed Uncle Iroh. Mm -hmm. And I have wanted to do this for the moment I started attending cons. Because I'm, uh, I share certain <laughs> similarities with Uncle Iroh. And it's going great. I love, I'm loving wearing this costume. What I always wanted to happen, I was walking around the, the big hall over mm -hmm. there. Uh, and I wanted to originally, I just want to cosplay my character. I thought that would be fun. And I'm doing just that. I'm walking around just like a cosplay person, you know, just walking around. And I hear someone say, hey, Uncle Iroh. Oh, hello. And I hear behind me somebody goes, that is Uncle Iroh. <laughs> so my work here is done. That's why I wanted the costume. And I've got that. I, I had that moment. Of course, yeah, I love it. It came out great. Um, how has it been interacting with um, some of the fans that just really um, grew up with this character of Uncle Arnold? The fans, I, I always knew from the moment I was reading, and again, I was a fan of the show before I was Uncle Iroh because Mako Arumatsu was mm -hmm. the original Iroh. Uh, but I always knew it was a beautiful character, had beautiful things to say, beautifully written. But it wasn't until I started coming to these cons that I realized the impact that Iroh had had. I'm literally a generation. Mm -hmm. He is literally, I was, I, I joked to my wife the other day, she, you know, she said, Greg, you know, take out the trash. <laughs> take out the trash. I am the beloved father figure to an entire generation. <laughs> She's like, yeah, 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 take out, I took out the trash. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the character has impacted people's lives. People, time and again, they will come up to me and they'll say, oh man, Uncle Iroh, I was in a high school and this happened and my girlfriend broke up with me or there was this tragedy and Iroh said this wise thing and made me feel better. And I hear that again and again and again. And I, I realized this character had a real impact on people's lives. He's not just an entertaining cartoon that 20 minutes later is done. This, this character has impact and I'm honored and humbled that I get to do this. Yeah, I think it's meaning, he's a meaningful character and you know, he's wise and he's taught um, young, young kids who are now adults many yeah, lessons. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a, a meme I've seen. It's like, <laughs> be, be, the, uh, be the person Uncle Iroh knows you are. Mm -hmm. And I love that meme and I, I, it even applies to myself sometimes. Yeah. I mean, literally, as I said, literally I'll be, you know, hey, Greg, Greg, when Uncle Iroh tweets that, Maybe you mean to think, think, think before you do that. You know, what would Iroh do? So it's been, yes, Iroh helps me as well in my day-to-day -day living. He's yeah. a wise. I, honestly, you literally could take the sayings of Iroh and you could almost build a religion around it. You know. So yeah, it's just been an honor to play such an impactful character. Yeah, and uh, stepping into the character's shoes, he has such rich history. Um, do you have to put yourself in a certain mindset or? It's easy as pie. Mm -hmm. And it's only because, I mean, my journey that has led me from Spring, Texas to dressed up as Uncle Iroh today mm -hmm. is an interesting journey. And it had really, oddly enough, it has to do with a musical by Stephen Sondheim. Oh, okay. Called Pacific Overtures, which starred Mako Iwamatsu, came out in 1977. I think my parents gave me this album for my birthday. I loved this musical. I sang along with it. I could sing the whole score for you now. You don't want to, but I could. <laughs> and so at the end of the day, when Mako sadly passed in 2006, mm -hmm. I had literally been doing an impression of him for 30 years. Mm -hmm. So to find Mako, all I have to do is go back to Pacific Overtures and the very opening lines, and I do them 
Nippon, the floating kingdom. And it's as easy as finding that line. If I can find that line, I can find Mako. Yeah. And, you know, Mako was such a great actor. I love all his roles. Oh. And, yeah, just, um, you know, him in that musical is also... Well, you know, that's the, that, that's the wonderful... You know, and it's actually has helped me because I knew that I was stepping into some, some shoes that are impossibly large for me to fill. Mm -hmm. And it has, it has served me well, I think, to let people know at the very outset, you know, you're not Mako. Mm -hmm. And I will say, well, no, of course I'm not Mako. Mako was nominated for Academy Award for Sand Pebbles. Mako was nominated for Tony Award. Mako started the first Asian American theater company in the United States. There's no way I'm Mako. Mm -hmm. But I know Mako, and I have nothing but respect for the things he did, and so I will try my best to do my job, mm -hmm. which is to keep these characters going, because he's no longer here yeah. to, to, to voice them for us. Mm -hmm. yeah, and um, just switching gears here, because, um, you know, just uh, the way you honored him in uh, season five of Samurai Jack, I um, was just really... Uh, Really appreciative of your uh, Aku. His uh, he was uh, great that season because I don't think I've ever seen a villain um, who goes to therapy. With I know himself. he was yeah. a very and I, I did. I don't especially like my performance in that scene, but I love the way the scene is written mm -hmm. uh, because it's so not the Aku that you've you come to know. And yeah. I, I think I even said to Gendy, I said because he had one line. Pardon me, I've got some Iro hair in my mouth. Oh, for sure. <laughs> One of the lines I think is, oh, that was the old Aku. This is the new Aku. And I actually said to Gindi, is that supposed to be sort of a sly in joke? And he said, no. You know, because I was like, you know, oh, that was the old Aku. This is the new Aku, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Hello. So, uh, mm -hmm. Aku, again, going back to Marco's work, and that's the beauty of those two characters. Mm -hmm. It's the same voice but it's two separate characters. It's light and dark, it's good and evil. And to go from Uncle Iroh, who's very calm and hello, come and have a cup of tea with me, mm. to Aku, <laughs> who will kill you in a minute. It's, it's fun, you know, yeah. it's great fun. And you know, for such an evil character, he's pretty fun, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I would say of all the characters that I've ever voiced or played on stage or on camera, it's my favorite one. Yeah. It, it's because it's just fun. It's mm -hmm. just fun to do. You know? Yeah. And how is it like working with uh, Gendi, um, with Gendi? Well, first of all, it's terrifying because Gendi is Gendi and he's mm -hmm. a genius. Yes. Uh, once, I, once I became less terrified of him, you know, he's Gendi Tartakovsky. He's a genius. Uh, he, he was, which is very, very odd for a, 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 the creator of a show to actually be the voice director. And he was great. I, I always tell the story. It's, it's fairly common for them to send you the script and the storyboards when you're going in to record. And it was the first episode of Samurai Jack, and I said, okay, well, I'll print out these storyboards. A whole ream of paper for a 22-minute episode. That's the attention to detail that, that Gendy pays to his projects. Yeah. Yeah, because he's just, uh, yeah, just his, the art and the his art of it. Style is just I, I, some, I read somewhere, or someone told me that you could literally freeze frame any frame from all of Samurai Jack, just freeze it and hang that on your wall as art mm -hmm. because it really is that beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, I, the last shot of the, uh, the series is so beautiful with him um, on that, uh, I believe it's a cherry blossom. It's a cherry blossom, yes. and he sees the ladybug that mm -hmm. reminds him of Ashi. But as I also say, the ladybug is also, you know, Aku colors. Maybe Aku was mm. back. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. He seemed a little easy to kill, I thought, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
And uh, just wrapping up here, Greg, where can uh, listeners find you at on social media? Um, at Greg Baldwin Iro. Okay. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. And I think Facebook, I'm just Greg Baldwin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just plain old, plain old Greg Baldwin. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter, probably more than I should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, thank you so much, Greg. Oh, it was my pleasure. Really it was my it. pleasure. Anytime. Cool.